0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Week 15 finally ended with games on Tuesday night. It's Christmas week or week 16 of the NFL. Plenty of playoff implication games. I mean, there's only like five teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs. So it's just going to be nutty. Those uh, six and seven seeds are wide open. Got a lot to get to this week. Ravens go for two again. Time to worry about the cards. Uh, the Bucks get shut out. Uh, New Orleans seems to have their number. We also have a player interview. But first, fantasy crime has happened. And my team in my head-to-head league lost in the first round of the playoffs. Yes, uh, Alex will be commenting on this very shortly, I believe. But... I get into the playoffs. The team was one and five to start the year, and I thought I'm dead. But finished the season seven and one, so I finished eight and six. I mean, good spot in the playoffs. Teams coming along. Uh, I used Jalen Hurts as my quarterback pretty much the whole year, and he really only had one bad game. That was against the Giants near the end, and then he was, then he sat out. Then there was the bye. But here, okay, he's coming back. I've got Booby Sanders going. I've got the Philadelphia defense thinking that the football team is not going to be able to do anything offensively. I guess the real story was I didn't do that bad. I mean yeah. – Obviously, Hurts had a great game. Booby Sanders can't seem to get in the end zone, but again, he went over 130 yards. He had a career high. He had over 120 against the Giants as well. I mean, they've got him going. They've got that whole running game going, which is another story. But in this league, we don't have a designated position for the tight end. You can use tight ends. You can use them in your wide receiver spot or as a flex, but we don't have uh designated tight end so for some reason i've always just tended well the wide receivers are always going to be better i'm going to use them my opponent on the other hand started two tight ends and alex which two tight ends do you think he had on his team Uh, i know who he had who
1: i'm sure travis kelsey was one of them absolutely and who was the other one i'm gonna say
0: dallas goddard nope mark andrews yes the two, I think, the two highest tight end scores of the week for sure might have been of the season. I don't know. So I'm going into last night just really behind the eight ball. I think I Michael Pittman was one of my starting wide receivers. He had like less than one point. Then he gets ejected. Devin Singletary came up. Wow, I had to start him? I had, Tyler Lockett was out because of COVID. I kind of had to juggle my lineup. But anyway, I was down. I don't know, like. 50 points going into last night. But like I said, Hertz and Sanders had great games. That goofy play at the beginning may have cost me the game, where uh, it looked like an incomplete pass, but the ball actually got her. It was in his hands. I mean, he probably would have went for like 10 or 15 yards if he catches it clean, but he turns his head. The ball like looks like it hit the ground, but it didn't. It hit off his heel. And Collins had picked it off for the football team, and everybody thought well, it was a you know it was an incomplete pass. They come back from commercial, no, they reviewed it it's an interception, so i get i don't get Goddard catching the ball or getting yards. I get minus points because now it's an interception." And at the end of the day, I lose by four, and it was just, it was kind of torture. I I, I was kind of hoping that those guys didn't play well, and I would have gotten blown out. But at halftime, I'm thinking, oh my God, I got a real shot here. They put a drive together, and Sanders scores a touchdown finally. I look good, but of course it didn't happen, so I'm a little disappointed today.
1: Did you have a tight end on your roster at all?
0: No. No. I just, for one reason or another, I'm like, you know, Jim Harbaugh or um, who else do you want to throw in there? Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. I'm going for the wide receivers, and it cost me, but I don't know that I would have drafted those guys. And and again, you know, I have them on my list, you know, when I go into the draft, but I tend to underrate them below, you know, some wide receivers if it's close Just because the, you know, the wow factor, the big plays. And Kelsey went pretty high in our draft. I could have, you know, he was gone well before I could pick. But uh, anyway, no, it's just, that's the way it goes. You know, for how many weeks in a row, Kelsey didn't do much. He was struggling. Oh, geez, you know, is he hurt? Is this or that? And then, you know, he exploded Thursday night. And then Andrew's just been, you know, great all year. But especially the last few weeks. So tip my hat to my opponent, you know. He's a professor at the local Penn State Satellite campus. I'll shout out uh, Terry. uh, Goes by the nickname of Hulk, Hulkamania. It's more his homage to the wrestler, Hulk Hogan, for some reason. But uh, we've been in this league together for, I don't know, almost 20 years. And I seem to make the playoffs a lot. I've only won the championship once. And that year, I think I had to go like fifteen and one to do it. Yeah, just not not good luck in the playoffs in that league. But it's a lot of fun, and you know I've known these guys for years.
1: Are you going to be in the consolation
0: game, like for
1: third place?
0: No, this was the first round. Uh, Two teams got buys, and then four teams play off. So those the winners will move on, and then you know then that'll be the final four. So I was like, I think the fifth seed out of six.
1: Well, your playoffs started a lot earlier than mine because I'm in four leagues. I'm in Yahoo. Yeah. And all of my playoffs start this week. And two of my leagues, I earned second place in the regular season in two of them. In two of them, I'm in the consolation games. I I think I finished like sixth or eighth. Mm -hmm. In the two leagues, I finished second. So I've got my playoffs this week. It's only top four teams. So I'm going against the third team in both leagues. Well, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, COVID is kind of affecting a lot of people. Not only, me,
0: but <laughs> yeah, it's affecting I would a say so. Sure,
1: that's probably the biggest. You
0: thing. don't know who's going. You know, you don't know who's going to play. And I kind of had. I made a calculated risk. One, it wasn't due to COVID, but there's they were being pretty cagey whether Jalen Hurts was going to play. And my only other option was Kirk Cousins, and I was like, you know what. I'm just going to roll the dice at Hurts' plays because I don't think Cousins is going to do anything on Monday night. And he didn't really have a very good game, and obviously you saw what Hurts did. But anyway, all right, so we've got a show to do it's on top of everything else. We were going to sign off, but yeah, we got some other stuff coming on. We've got a national champion, All-American, coming up. He's one of the most decorated players nationally Conference Defensive Player of the Year, first team All-American, Division III, uh, national champion, to safety, a punter. I can go on and on. For the University of Mary Harden Baylor, Crusaders, the crew, and pride of Kaufman, Texas, number two, Jefferson Fritz. Jefferson, how you doing today? Feeling great. Glad to be here with y'all. All right. Well, I'm glad we, we got a chance to catch up with you. We don't get too many national champions on here, so uh, let's roll. Uh, I mean, you guys went 15-0 and this year, uh, won the championship. Could this season have gone any better?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. Just as a team and, and being a part of this, this uh, great team that we had this year, it was really fantastic just being with everybody, uh, watching everybody develop. I wouldn't have had it any other way, honestly. We grew as a team uh, from early in the year, and uh, we just kept growing, kept getting better, and uh, came out on top.
0: Can you think of a specific moment during the course of the year that you said, yeah, this is a good football team? I mean, not just good, but you know, championship-worthy.
2: Probably, say, the Harden-Simmons game, whenever we were down at halftime, I think it was 28-7, to 7, um, I believe. And uh, we went into the locker room, and uh, Coach Fred came in there and said, all right, we got a decision to make. What team are we going to be? And after that, we just started rolling. Uh, obviously, at the end of that game, we ended up winning, and it just showed a lot about our team. And I was like, dang, we're going to be pretty good this year.
1: How surreal of an experience was it to play in Canton, Ohio? That's where the national championship game was held, You know, the same place where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is located. Tell us about it.
2: For me, it was really special because uh, I've never been out there uh, in Ohio or even to the Hall of Fame. So just being out there and being in that environment, and playing at, at that stadium, especially my senior year, for the national championship, it, it was really special for me and a whole bunch of these seniors, uh, especially going out on top this year. Um, just being down there and seeing all those great names and you know, hoping maybe one day somebody you know or you will be in there but it was, it was a great environment. Uh, it really set the stage for this year. Uh, we really wanted to get there at the end of the year and win it all. And uh, we ended up doing that this year. And it was really special. It was definitely my favorite stag ball I've been to.
0: Like I said, I mean, at the top, they really haven't had many close games. You mentioned the one that you came back in. I mean, the championship game ended up 57-24. to 24. I mean, just a, a blowout. At one point during the game, you're only up 26-17. And they're in the red zone. And you make a big play, interception. Take us through the play, basically kind of what's going through your mind, pre-snap to actually making the play on the ball, getting tackled. What were your thoughts throughout the the entire sequence?
2: So I believe it was three by one, gun strong, quads. And I'm thinking, okay, they're not going to try and throw the, the ball deep. They're going to try and just get a couple yards here. Because I think it might have been. Second or third down, I can't can't really remember what down it was. The number three receiver and number two receiver, uh, they both ran hitches. So I was like, okay, uh, I'm just going to kind of stop backpedaling because I don't have to get deep anymore uh, because there's not threat and I I just don't need to be in no man's land. So then I see this receiver out of the corner of my eye, it's the number one receiver, and he's just streaking down the sideline. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he's running a fade, okay. And it was number 18, and earlier in that week we kind of scouted him and we knew who they really wanted to throw the ball to and everything. And they didn't want to throw the ball to him. They wanted to get to uh, number 11, number 6. And uh, we had done pretty good all game before, but he was just wide open. And I was like, well, all right, I'm going to try to bait this. So ended up quarterback through it. He kind of scrambled out Our, our defensive line, got some pressure. He scrambles out. I open my hips. I just start running. I'm like, okay, he's going to throw it. He's going to throw it. Finally, threw it. I was like, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and caught the ball in the end zone. It was kind of scary. I didn't know if I was in the end zone or out of the end zone because I believe I caught it on the two and kind of floated into the end zone. So then I was like, okay, I got to get out of the end zone. I don't want this to be a safety or anything. So I try and get out of the end zone. <laughs> the dude perfectly puts his hand on the ball <laughs> and just strips it out. I'm like, Oh, gosh. Okay, I got to get this ball. So then I go up, grab it, and then just get as many yards as I can out of the end zone. But, yeah, that's kind of breaking down the whole play from my point of view.
1: So you almost fumbled the ball, Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. And that would have been something. That would have put them at the two or even closer than they were. I mean, that that's nice.
2: Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd have been pretty uh, sick to my stomach if I'd have let that happen. <laughs>
1: How good of a player is number 11, Andrew Kaminsky, who plays for uh, North Central College, the team that you played against in the national championship?
2: Uh, I would definitely say he is the best receiver I've went against. Just his coaches and his teammates find a way to get him the ball and uh, what he does with the ball after the catch. He's a really special player, and uh, I respect him a lot uh, for what he's done over the past years and uh, what they've done with that football program down there. He's a really good player. Definitely hope to see him at the next level, along with myself, hopefully. But, yeah, I wish him all the all the luck in the world. He, he's an outstanding player.
1: Did you guys match up against each other? Because he plays the slot. Obviously, you're a safety. I'm sure you match up against you know slot receivers. Do you guys go up against in the championship game?
2: I don't recall ever being just man-to-man with him. Uh, I think I covered him a couple times in zone. But besides that, no, we didn't just go mano-a-mano, man-to-man, straight up.
1: What was different about this year's team? Obviously, you guys missed the 2020 season. What was different about this year's squad?
2: I would just say the the camaraderie we all had together. No single group. You can really single them out. Uh, receivers, DBs, running back linemen, we were always hanging out together and we just love being around each other, love playing ball. And uh at the end of the day that that's all that really matters to us anyways. Yeah, winning the championship is good, but but we got lifelong friends out of this. And I think that was the best thing that happened this year. We all just kinda came together and it didn't matter where you were from, you know, what's going on at home. You know, everybody has problems, but I think the team as itself kinda put that all aside and just said, hey, we're going to play for each other, love being around each other. We don't want this to end anytime soon, and let's go win. And and we just kind of set our goal as, hey, let's win the national championship this year, and that's what we went and did. I think that's the biggest difference in this team than any other team I've been on. It's just everybody just loved being around each other, like no matter who it is, what position group, everybody just really, really cared about each other. And I I think that's the difference in between this team.
0: Now, at some point when you are a kid, Jefferson, you had to realize that football was your sport. When was that, and what, what were the circumstances surrounding it?
2: Third grade, I think, was my first year ever playing football. Um, I used to play soccer. I played soccer, loved soccer. Played that for about eight years of my life. But third grade, I played running back. It was my first year ever. Didn't like and hit. I was just fast. So they put me in running back, first play of the game, we go pitch left, and I catch the ball, and there's this big defensive end. I was like, I don't even know. I was short back then. Still am short, but (laughs) way shorter now. I catch a pitch off the left side, see this big defensive end, and I just run for my life. And ended up in the end zone, 95 yards. I just lay on my back, and my coach comes over there, picks me up, and he's like excited, all that.
0: And I'm like, yeah, I think I can do this. So I think that was the moment I knew. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> Have you gotten many chances outside of? Uh, I think I guess you've done some kick returns and so forth. Did they ever put you on offense while you're at uh, UMHB?
2: No, still kind of mad at them for it. Uh, <laughs> we bug them all the time about it because I did I did play a receiver in high school and everything, and uh, we would always bug them about it, like a wildcat package, all that stuff, and. They never went for it. I think Coach Harmon was kind of greedy. Uh, our defensive coordinator, he kind of greedy with me. He didn't want me to get hurt or anything like that. But they never let me on the offense.
1: You were born and raised in Texas. Uh, why did you choose Mary Harden Baylor coming out of high school?
2: Well, so I broke my foot twice in high school, the same foot. second time, I finally got a metal rod in it. I would say that that's probably the biggest reason why I went to UMHB is because nobody recruited me out of high school. It was, it was UMHB and then East Texas Baptist. Those are the two schools that recruited me. The reason why UMHB came down there and recruited me was because my cousin actually played for him for four years down there, and he was a, he was a defensive tackle, and he was pretty good for them. And uh, that's kind of how I heard of UMHB was through him. Went down there and visited, obviously great uh, facilities. I just kind of fell in love with it, and the coaches are awesome. Uh, The people down there, the the teaching staff, kind of fell in love with it and never wanted to leave,
0: honestly. Prior to getting injured, Jefferson, were you looking at other schools or other schools looking at you?
2: I don't believe any schools were looking at me, probably because my size back then. I I was kind of small, but everything else, I don't know. I was going to go walk on somewhere. Uh, after my senior season because I had no offers and just walk on to a, a D1 somewhere and try and make it there. But I don't I don't believe I had any offers before that.
0: Well, it seems like it, it turned out pretty well for you. You've accomplished so much in your career. I mean, I talked about, you know, first-team All-American. It was several times, you know, as a safety, as a punter, uh, national championship, defensive player of the year, finalist for the Gagliardi Trophy. I mean, it, there's been so much. What are you most proud of?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. I think the most proud thing that came out of all this is just being a leader, just kind of developing into a leader, and and knowing your role on a football team and how what you do impacts the football team, no matter if it's on the field or off the field. Just knowing your your actions have consequences, no matter good or bad. But really, I would say just being a leader for for multiple Crusader teams has been a blessing. That the players there, because we choose our captains and everything uh, down there, and they chose me. I think three or four times. Um, it's just a blessing to even be in that position at, at such a high high school. That's probably the most accomplishing thing I did.
1: So you've been a captain since your sophomore year of college. Yes. Well, congratulations. I mean, that definitely speaks yeah. volumes. Obviously, teammates vote for it.
2: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate
1: it. You know, the ball seems to find you, Jefferson. I mean, Lou asked you a question about the national championship game. You came up with that INT. In 2018, your sophomore season, you came up with 12, 12 picks. I mean, people don't have that for their entire career. You had it in one season. So you were basically almost averaging one pick per game. If we do the math, what was the difference for you that year?
2: Uh, (laughs) I've got this question a lot. I don't know. I think what it was is um, nobody really heard of me back then. I was saying 18 because that was my sophomore year. The previous year, I think I had four interceptions. Two of them came in the national championship. I was only white DB back there. So I think it was kind of, I always got made fun of because they were like, they're just throwing it to you because you're white. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know (laughs) what to tell you, but and that year, it was honestly just a blessing. And uh, and really, I was just in the right position at the right time. Coach Harmon really, really put me in the right position that year, uh, just learning the defense and everything. So, really, I just had to show up and go to work. And I did that year, and I trusted my teammates so much that I'd let a receiver run right past my face and just read the quarterback and play the ball. But, yeah, that's just the difference in that year. Just kind of out there playing. He it to, like, 15 yards deep, just playing center field and just going to get the football.
1: Now, Jefferson, when you get 12 picks in one season, do you start to develop this mindset that, hey, guys, I can get 12 next year as a junior. I can get 12 as a senior. I mean, what was the mindset coming in? Did you think you were going to set, like, the all-time record for interceptions?
2: Uh, Yes, that was definitely on my mind after that year. It was on my mind this year and last year. I definitely came in my junior year and I was like, hey, at least get eight. Like, that's the minimum. But, you know, people tend not to throw you away whenever you have 12 interceptions. So I think two or three of my interceptions my junior year came at linebacker because I had to go fill a spot because uh, our linebackers were hurt, and I just filled in for the team and uh, played there. Honestly, they just they really don't throw your way that often anymore. So I think that was the biggest reason why I didn't have that twelve interception junior year or senior year.
1: What do you think is the most important trait for a safety?
2: Ooh, definitely gotta be smart. Knowing who you're playing against, knowing the other team, watching a lot of film, I think that's the best trait any football player can have. Just knowing who you're playing against and being in there, you know, at least two hours a day watching film, at least minimum. I think that's the part about the game. It's not the X's and the O's. It's, it's kind of figuring out, OK, what are they going to do in this formation? What are they going to do in this formation? And, and really getting down to it, what they run in certain uh, formations and certain plays. I think that's the best quality that I
0: have. So you have a a little bit of an unusual combination. We haven't focused on the punting much and I think that's uh, would be one that most people are kind of scratching their head about. How did the punting kind of come along? Was it by accident?
2: Yeah, you could say that. Um, I think it was in 2018 I started punting and uh it's kind of weird coach Pete Fredenberg, he walked up to me, and you know, he's like, "Hey, you you're a pretty good athlete." I said, "Yes sir." He said, "Did you ever punt in high school?" I said, "Yes, sir." And uh, he's like, "Well, try punting." I was like, "Okay, you know." So I just go out there punt a couple balls, and we already had a really good punter my my sophomore year. So I was the second string actually uh, my sophomore year. Junior year came around, he's like, "You still want to punt?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll punt," you know. So start doing that. It just kind of started rolling from there. And I, yeah, that's kind of the story. It just kind of happened. Coach Fred just had an idea, and he was like, okay, let's roll with it.
0: Well, punters seem to take a lot of flack. Like, you know, all they do is like kickers, too. I mean, they come on, you know, maybe four or five plays a game. They're not very tough, whatever. (laughs) Obviously, that cannot be said about you. Where does your future lie? I mean, do you see yourself, you know, perhaps being a punter at the next level?
2: Ooh, (laughs) I would definitely uh, have to practice a lot more than I do because I just
0: kind of do it for fun.
2: No, I don't think I don't think I'll be punting at the next level unless you know somebody comes up and asks me, "Hey, you want to punt for us?" And I, heck yeah, I will. Definitely DB is where I want to be. I uh, Love it, love playing defense. Punting's just kind of
0: a a hobby, I guess you could say. I don't have an inside track, but whenever you hear the more you can do, I see Jefferson and I see a New England Patriots. I don't care where you end up in the league, but just that just in my mind right now, that's what I see. Much like Aiden Hutchinson for the uh, the Heisman Trophy, you were the only defensive player to be a finalist for the Gagliardi Trophy, which for D3 is kind of like the Heisman. It's the top player, but they do combine athletics, academics and community service. Now, like I said, you were the only defensive player to hit the final four. What did that mean to you?
2: Oh, it's it's awesome.
0: Uh, I think I'm the first one to get, like, to the
2: finalist in UMHB uh, history. Uh, we've had three or four of the guys nominated for it. Um, just to be a finalist, it, it's awesome. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm extremely blessed for my coaches even putting me up for the award um, and the position that they put me in. Um, and being the only defensive player, I kind of thought, it was odd because I was like, I know I'm not the only good defensive player in division three, you know, and just looking through the list, it was like quarterbacks, you know, I think there was, I can't even count how many quarterbacks there were, but like one receiver and that was it. I was like, okay, I'm the only one, you know, how cool would it be if I won it just being the only defensive guy on there? And obviously I didn't, but they had some really outstanding guys in there, but I, I think I kind of represented, just defensive players and how good they are. And they do need to be nominated more uh, for that award. This is an awesome opportunity just to be recognized by So
0: many people. I noticed a, uh, a Pat Tillman video on your timeline and I couldn't help thinking maybe just the type of player that you are, the type of player that he was and kind of just what he stood for. How has his legacy kind of impacted you?
2: it's impacted me quite a bit I would say because I have a lot of military family my brother's in the air Force um sisters in the in the marines um I got a cousin in the marines that had a couple family members in the army so it's definitely definitely a big impact in my life I would say just watching him just play and and you know he's not the biggest guy he's not the fastest guy he he just played. Played his heart out, man, and that's how I want to play, and, that, and I think that's how I have been playing ever since I've been on the football field, honestly. He, he's just a big inspiration, I would say, to a lot of people, uh, just for what he did. He was an outstanding player, uh outstanding person. I hope one day, you know, I'd, I'd love to go to the Cardinals and, you know, just see his statue.
1: Well, obviously, Pat Tillman has inspired a lot of people, not only in the NFL, yeah. but just in general, around the country. Obviously, you walked away with the national championship as a senior, which is huge. I mean, if you can win a national championship, that's the story that you would write. What's the plan going forward? I mean, what's the plan for you? Have you decided where you're going to train for the pro day? Have you been invited to any All-Star games? Give us your ideas.
2: So I'm back home right now, and uh, I've always trained my cousin who uh, went to UMHB. I've always trained with him, and he's always got me ready for the next football season. And uh, that's where I'm going to be training, I mean, until I'm done playing football because he's done a lot for me. He knows what he's doing. But, yeah, that's where I'm training right now. Any pro days that happen, I'm sure UMHB will have one. Uh, I think we usually go to the baby one up there whenever they have it. Yeah, that's kind of the plan right now, just training, getting really good numbers just because – you gotta have them, uh, honestly. I think I got the the football part down. Just now, I just gotta match the numbers with everything and kind of meet the eye test. Yeah, that that's the plan for now.
1: Jefferson, give your sales pitch. Why should an NFL team take a chance on you?
2: Uh, I would say an NFL team should take a chance on me uh, just because I'm gonna give them everything they got or everything I got. I think I'll make their, their football team a better team just leadership-wise and, and knowing the game, just kind of developing into that NFL-caliber player. I think I'm very versatile. I can do whatever you ask me to. I just need a chance, and that's really it.
1: All right, please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, Twitter, Instagram. This is your chance to do so.
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter... Instagram, so my Twitter is at jefffrid10, and then my Instagram is pin underscore jefffrid10.
1: All right, thank you for spending a little time with us and telling your story, and again, you're a national champion, man, so uh, whatever happens the rest of the way, I mean, you could take that to the bank, so congratulations on that, and thank you for being with us.
2: Oh yeah, thank y'all so much, I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks again to Jefferson Fritz. Wow, the accolades—the list is long. I just think this kid's got a real shot. Uh, I mentioned during the interview about him being a New England Patriot, and that would just be such a Belichick-type player—punter, safety, you know, return specialist. I'm, we're pulling for Jefferson, that's for sure. All right, so the Ravens went for two again. I know you had some interesting thoughts on this. I had a couple things that I wanted to add, but uh, go ahead. What was your, what was your thought on that whole, the whole process?
1: So I love the fact that Harbaugh went for it at the end of the game, because on the opposite side of the ball, you've got Aaron Rodgers. So you don't want to force that game into overtime with Tyler Huntley, because Rodgers is just going to kill you with some touchdown. The Packers will probably win the the coin toss and they would go down the field and, and just win the game. So the final call for the two-point conversion in terms of going for it, I don't have a problem with it. I always say gutless coaches going for that point after or that field goal. You know, I love guys who are aggressive. So I like Harbaugh. I like Brandon Staley. Guys that are not afraid to lose the game. Guys that have trust in their quarterbacks. Guys that have trust in their offense to pick up that fourth and one, fourth and two. But two things for me. The Ravens went for the fourth down in this game three times. All right, They went for the fourth down on opening drive. Also don't have a problem with that. But in the beginning of the fourth quarter, when they were, I think, at the 29-yard line, they've got the best kicker in football, Lou, in Justin Tucker. He missed her automatic. He never misses. I would have taken a field goal there, and therefore I wouldn't have had to go for the two-point conversion at the end of the game because I would have had the lead. Okay. secondly, the play call to Mark Andrews. Look, they're milking him. I get it. He's their number one target. He was I think he was targeted on every throw on that last drive. And he just kept coming down with it, kept coming down with it. Everybody in the stadium knew that the ball was going to go to Mark Andrews because Tyler Huntley wasn't looking at anybody else. But look, Marquise Brown has got some quicks. I mean, he can separate. He can get open. Rashad Bateman, I saw him so many times in Minnesota take that you know third and five play on that slant route. I mean, he's really good at it, getting that free release, and he can beat that one-on-one coverage. I realize that he's a rookie wide receiver here, but give him a shot as well. I think that's my problem as well, just the play call at the end. Mark Andrews getting the ball. I would have used him as a decoy. I know you had it a little bit differently, Lou. You felt that he was a decoy.
0: Well, that's the way it turned out. And again, hindsight is twenty twenty. whether it's, you know, feel, go for the field goal, go for... And I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, Justin Tucker, they're never going to pass up a field goal because they think their kicker's not going to make it. And I'm not saying that that's, that was your what you're saying. I think it was more just the fact that it's almost automatic, three points. But... As far as that play call, that again, you're in close quarters, that sprint right option, you know, you're cutting the field really down. I mean, so if that play doesn't pop wide open, it's going to be impossible. And by that time, by the time Huntley like gets himself ready to throw the ball the whole defense has flowed that way and of course they're all going towards Mark Andrews and again even if you're not watching the all 22 if you just watch the replay you can see Marquise Brown running across the back of the end zone and he is like wide wide open so you know maybe a more seasoned quarterback maybe stops there kind of pumps towards towards Andrews because he sees the defense flowing and then comes back to something else He has, obviously, uh, great movement skills and some speed. Maybe he runs it, but again, not to the right because that's where all the defense is. So, yeah, you can go so many different ways on the play call. You know, and I I think we talked about this off air. I mean, I look at this whole two-point conversion and the whole conversation. It's almost like blackjack, right? It's the ultimate analytics game. You kind of go in with, with certain rules, if you would. You know, If you get eights or aces, you're going to split them. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the defense or the dealer is showing, you know, you're going to split those cards. Uh, if you get a 10 or 11, you're going to double down. And if you do it over time, you're going to come out ahead. And, I, and that's the same idea with the two-point conversion. So if you are going to play that way, on the previous score, when they cut it to eight... If you are playing the analytics, you should go for the two point conversion at that point because now you can cut it to six. Touchdown extra point wins the game. If you don't get it, then you go for it again and then ultimately you will be playing to try to get the tie so you want to be aggressive but you also want to be consistent with just the whole approach to the thing so that that could have been the only other thing that i would say is if you're going to be brandon staley if you're going to be john harbaugh you're going to go ahead and if you're going to play the game play it the same way all the way through so on the again cut it to eight go for two try to get it down to six and then you win the game with Justin Tucker or, Hey, we're going to go for two anyway. Then it go it does go into overtime. But from his perspective, he wanted to guarantee that shot. If they did score a touchdown and we're lucky enough to be in that position, Hey, let's win it on this play. Let's make sure that we do that. So, all these coaches have different ideas on how to play it. I think what gets lost in the in this argument whether it's social media, Twitter, even the analysts. I don't know that they're completely aware of what the whole analytics piece is. You know, you hear guys talking about, well, analytics never, you know, never threw a cross body blah, or, you know, analytics never, you know, had to go for it against, you know, this particular pass rusher no, it's not that. Yes, there's always going to be a gut feel to it. But I still believe that if the coach has this in his DNA and has that kind of gambler mentality that you then use the odds in your favor. And you have to do it all the time to really take advantage of those odds. Because if you just kind of pick and choose, then you never know what those numbers, what the percentages are. Is it your gut Is it some book? Is it whatever? I think it's a little bit of everything. And uh, you would wish they come up with a little bit better play call or the quarterback sees that, hey, this ain't going anywhere. I got no shot to complete this. Let me see who else is open.
1: Speaking of choking, I mean, both of these teams are going to be in the playoffs, in the NFC, but they choked in week 15. They laid down an egg, and I'm talking about the Cardinals. Let's start with them because they lost to the worst, Well, they were the worst team in football until they came out with the last two wins. This is only the third time since the NFL merger that a team with the best record lost to a team with the worst record. And the Lions, they just dominated the Arizona Cardinals. What the hell is going on with Arizona? I mean, are they like in danger of losing and giving away even the the NFC West division?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're sitting there. They've just got a what a one game lead over the rams and as i'm looking at it they've got the colts coming in there and if they don't get things squared away they're they're probably going to lose that game then they got to go to dallas then seattle's going to be a kind of a pissed off team in week 18 or maybe they just pack it in and don't play but that's no easy three games (laughs) they could very well go one and two there and the Rams, who do they finish with? They're at Minnesota. Well, they got a tough way too. They're at Minnesota, at Baltimore, and at home against San Francisco. And San Francisco, again, not pushing my, my Super Bowl team here, although I am a little. The Niners are playing some great football. But to your point, as far as Detroit is concerned, at home, they were 1-6 going into that game, minus 71 point differential at home. If you watched the game and I know you did, replay or whatever, you looked at those two teams and if you didn't know what their records were, you would say that Detroit was the team that was ahead because they were for all his faults and whatever you want to say about Dan Campbell, that team just plays hard. And they're starting to kind of find an identity with a bunch of practice squad guys. You know, rookies that are kind of starting to come into their own. Amon Ross St. Brown, for one. Uh, Josh Reynolds making some plays. Jared Goff looked like, you know, when Jared Goff played well under McVay. That's what he looked like. But the Cardinals, who we really are, are talking about here, is the whole team's body language is one thing. But Kyler Murray, even in that game against... Against the Rams, there's something off. You know, again, obviously he's just coming back from injury. That might have something to do with it. A lot of the criticisms of him coming into the league were that he was kind of reserved, you know, in in terms of leadership and so forth. And I'm not saying he's a bad leader or a good leader or a great leader, but it's just the optics of it. You know, even on the sidelines in that game, after plays, you know, it just doesn't look like the, you know, that quarterback that's supposed to be the steadying influence you know everybody's looking at him to keep calm and he just seems I don't know it's just not it's just not happening and without D-Hop that is a huge loss for them you know what you got are getting from AJ Green is great a research a rebirth for him but I don't know that he's gonna you're gonna be able to rely on him for huge numbers Zach Ertz Yeah, he's the tight end. He's going to make some plays, but I don't think he's going to carry the team. Connor has had a huge year, but again, I don't know that you can rely on him to have those big games down the stretch and in the playoffs. They got Edmonds back, so maybe that helps a little bit. But uh, yeah, they go from the top seed to number four, and they certainly are in danger of of losing that division. Wow, I'd be hard-pressed to bet on them right now to win that division.
1: They have enough playmakers on offense. I mean, you listed those guys, and Christian Kirk is playing his best football in his three-, four-year career. That's not the problem. The problem in this game, particularly, and against the Rams as well, they were beaten up up front. I mean, Charles Harris, the former first-round bust, looked like Reggie White. Jared Goff looked like Joe Montana. Undrafted running back Craig Reynolds, who— Greg Reynolds? There you go. Who is that? He looked like Adrian Peterson. I'm just saying that the Lions just beat him up. I mean, they just ran down their throats. The offensive line for the Lions handled that D-line, and they were able to get after Kyler Murray and pressure him. And I just think that's where the game was won, in the trenches. And that's the problem for the Arizona Cardinals. And here when they meet up against yeah, a good and, defensive team. And here,
0: here comes the Indianapolis Colts. What are they going to do?
1: Well, hey, they get home, Lou. I mean, they get home with those front four. I mean, they get they don't blitz that much. They're going to be able to get after him. And I just they're going to run the, the ball and play physical? Together. Yeah. They were unprepared in all facets of the game against the Lions, and it really bit them in the ass. And unless they get it together... The Cardinals can wind up like last year, Lou. I mean, you remember, this was a hot team last year, and then at the end of the season, they just continued to lose. Kyler Murray keeps saying in those interviews that this team is different. This team is different. Well, show us that it's different, because it sure looks like, you know, it's Groundhog Day. It's the same scenario over and over again. So I picked the Cardinals to get into the playoffs. I still think they will. I can't trust them moving forward in the playoffs, even though they're going to be on the road most likely and like you said before i mean they play better on the road than at home speaking of another team lou what the hell happened to the bucks i mean they didn't score a single point against the saints and lost what nine to nothing
0: dennis allen seems to have their number this is what four in a row in the regular season obviously you know they went to new orleans last year and won that playoff game but you know dennis allen seems to have their number but i guess more importantly they run a specific scheme against them, right? But he's got the guys to do it. You've heard it with the Chiefs, with the Bills, with all these you know high-scoring offensive teams. Well, they've come up with the blueprint. Well, yeah, the, the blueprint, but he's got the players to do it. Cam Jordan, Davenport, Granderson, anyamata they put on the pressure like crazy, allowing like the, those linebackers to get out in those passing lanes. And Tommy, for... My God, the third time in his career, only the third time in his career, he was shut out and visibly frustrated going over and I don't know what he said. I think there was an F-bomb in there directed towards Dennis Allen. Uh, He's throwing uh, tablets on the sideline. He's all pissed off. It's nice to see that he's human. Okay, every so often this is going to happen. But yeah, rushing for Playing those guys deep, but Jay Lattimore playing man-to-man, he lost. His, you know, Godwin obviously had to go out, and it just sucks for him. I like that kid a lot. As soon as you see it, you feel like, oh, my God, you just got to pray because he got hit right on the kneecap. I mean, it just, no, nah, that that wasn't cool. But now Fournette's hurt. He's going to miss the rest of the regular season, which I don't think they have any tough games left. I think they got the Panthers twice out of three. Um, Now Levante David, I think, is going on IR. Evans is banged up. But I think what you saw from New Orleans was, again, what you hope to accomplish when you play them. Now, I don't think he went into it thinking, hey, we're going to shut him out doing this. This might keep us in the game. And, yeah, the the checkdowns, the quick passes, and now you're throwing to... Uh, Brashad Perriman, you're you're throwing to uh, Scotty Miller, who's the kid from Minnesota, eighteen. You're throwing
1: Tyler Johnson. Tyler
0: Johnson, you're throwing to him. Ronald Jones, eh, you know he's got some questionable hands, but you know he's had some and he ran pretty well once they did give him a chance. So uh, I know he had some big games against Carolina last year. uh, Yeah, that was just ugly, an ugly game to watch. But if you like defense and watching Brady get frustrated and just want to tear his hair out yeah that was fun to watch
1: those games are gonna happen though I, I still trust the Bucks moving forward because they're still up there with the Packers as, as two of the best teams so I think they laid an egg for one game. I'm a lot more worried about the Arizona Cardinals moving forward than the Bucs. The Bucks need to get healthy. I mean, I think that's the most important thing for the playoffs. Godwin is not going to be back because it's a torn ACL, but they're hoping that they'll get Fournette. They are hoping that they'll get Mike Evans back for the playoffs. And they signed AB, your favorite person. He's well, I mean, back. desperate at this he point. He
0: is back even against uh, Bruce Arians words uh when they initially when they initially brought him in, you know, he's uh, he's starting with two strikes or whatever. Before that, it was like we're not going to sign him. Then it was, well, maybe Brady wants him. Well, he's got two strikes. Well, here he is again, some crazy scheme to defraud the team and then he had COVID. Your coach is a two-time cancer survivor. Tom Moore, offensive assistant, guru, whatever. He's like 80 years old. He's putting everybody at risk. And is it because of injury? Oh, geez, we we need him now? Or is it just that, quite simply, Tom Brady wants him? Tom is going to get what he wants. As long as this run continues, we got to give him what he wants. And, you know, whatever integrity of the team and everything else be damned. Who's running the asylum there? But I think the difference between the cards and the Bucs, obviously the Bucs have been there. It's not a leadership question with the Bucs, but with the Cardinals, it certainly is. You still have a quote unquote, you know, wet behind the ears head coach who still has not, you know, gone and, and won in the playoffs. You've got a quarterback that is kind of aloof when it comes to being a leader, so yeah, the Bucks I think are certainly in much much better shape. Should be there, but you got to think if they have to go to Green Bay this year, Green Bay gets it done, right?
1: I think so. I mean, just the Packers. I mean, if they solve those issues on special teams and if uh, you know their kicker situation gets straightened out, I do trust the Packers, especially if they're at home, if they're in Lambeau Field. I think this year it just yeah has a feel you know we talked about it kind of the last dance with aaron Rodgers and Devonte adams and that story just keeps unfolding and it might have a happy end
0: yeah he you know again it's where is he gonna go uh where it's gonna be better but again you know if he's just so hurt and just has to prove to everybody that I, i'm done with these guys they can make nice and you know do everything now after the fact it would be tough to
1: walk away, Lou, when you win a Super Bowl. That would be really tough.
0: But that wouldn't like, that be the ultimate Aaron Rodgers thing to do, though? <laughs> you no, know? I mean just hey, you know, I showed you, yeah, MVP, MVP again, plus a Super Bowl win. Yeah, I'm out.
1: I wouldn't be able to do it to a team that I've been a quarterback for for the last. Like almost twenty years, I mean, yeah. that's really tough I mean yeah. that's this is a place you call home. This isn't just you came here for two or three years, yeah, I mean, this okay. is the team that has developed you, this is the team that helped you get where you are and and believed in you, and you know you played with the chip on your shoulder, that would be really tough, hoisting up that Super Bowl trophy and then telling people in the off season, well guys, I've accomplished it now I'm going to go play in Denver.
0: Another scary team, I I guess real quick here before we get to the picks, that Eagles run game is no joke. I think it's now seven games in a row they're up over 175 yards rushing the ball. I mean, between Hertz and Sanders and Howard, wow, you know, this is the time of year for that time of game. They made the commitment and here we go, you know, Sirianni... Again, we crushed him at the beginning, then we gave him love, then we crushed him again, and now here he is, and yeah, they got a real shot here. And now, the Chiefs Like Us portion of the show, just real quick, of course, Travis Kelsey, AFC Offensive Player of the Week, and what I thought was interesting, he's the first Chiefs tight end to win it. Tony Gonzalez never, ever was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, so... Take that to a bar. That'll win you a drink on a bet. Okay, the picks overall thirty and twenty-seven. Another two and two week. Can't seem to get going there. Steelers early in the week were plus two. That game ended up as a pick'em. Steelers ended up winning. I have no idea how they won that game. I truly just just I don't get it. Cincinnati, I, I pick on them. They get crushed. I pick against them. Of course they win. So that was a loser there. Buffalo, early in the week, was minus 11. That one went up to 14. They still covered the spread with a late touchdown. And then uh, the Browns, that line was all over the place. But when I made the pick, Cleveland was minus one and a half. Of course, they lose. Line ended up, uh, Las Vegas was minus three because of the whole quarterback situation, obviously. No Baker, no Case. Nick Mullins, again, You know, had his team there. They put him ahead. The defense let him down. So, Here we go. I really don't like anybody this week, but uh, here are four (laughs) games that I'm going to pray for. Uh, We talked about Indianapolis. Yeah, this might look too easy, but Christmas night, I'm going to go... With the Colts, uh, Jonathan Taylor just too much, that offensive line. Arizona, like you said, Alex, they just they don't seem to do well against these teams that are just more physical than they are, and it just turns into a, a rough go for them. So I'm going to take Indianapolis. Looks like it's going to be like Arizona minus one, pick them, so we'll go with that. To go back to my blackjack theory there, and uh, we're going to double down. I'm going to double down and take the Patriots at home, minus 2.5 over the Bills. Yes, the Patriots didn't look so good on the road. Yes, Buffalo looks like, you know, they even tried to run the ball. I said Devin Singletary had a pretty good game, but it's just they're just too up and down for me. So I'm going to go with New England. I know what I'm going to get with them. Houston at home getting 9.5 or 10 against the Chargers. I'm going to go with Houston here because the Chargers, I just can't seem to figure them out. Just something tells me when they get in a game like this, they might win and they probably will win. But I think Houston keeps it close. And then finally, no Teddy B. No surprise here that I am not a fan of Drew Locke. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. Yes, me picking the Raiders. Minus one and a half. So there you have it. Four games. Really don't like any of them, but uh, there they are. All right, my lock of the week.
1: I I like the Rams this week against Minnesota. I like Buffalo against the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots are going to beat Buffalo twice this year with Mac Jones. I don't think it's going to happen, especially with the Buffalo Bills fighting for that last playoff spot. Music
0: to my ears. (laughs) That makes makes my pick feel much more confident.
1: But the team that I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with my team, Lou. I'm going to go with the 49ers. On Thursday night in a very tough game against the Tennessee Titans on the road. On the road sure. They're are our favorite. I think
0: it's like a three or three and a half.
1: Yeah, I think it's minus three and a half. That's what I have here. The Niners have to make a statement here. They've been picking up steam, they've been playing better. This is the time to show it against a good Titans team. The Titans had, what, like four turnovers last week? They gave that game away against the Steelers, so they're bound to come back stronger than what they were against Pittsburgh. But I'm going to go with San Francisco. Thursday night they're going to make a statement on the road and I want the Titans and the Colts to come down to the last two weeks of the season for that AFC South title and this is the time for the 49ers to make a statement and say hey we're in the playoffs and nobody wants to play us because here we go San Francisco and you might still get that Super Bowl sir San Francisco versus the Chiefs which I laughed at after, I would say, two months into the season because that just looked like a lost cause. And, and now, who is laughing now? Lou? You got
0: you you to play all the games, man. So so is there a lock of the week or locks of the week?
1: No, I just said I like the Rams and I like Buffalo, but my but lock is San Francisco. Okay,
0: that is the L-O-W lock of the week. Yes, Alex, you are on record. Okay, gang, that's going to do it for us this week. See the subscribe button? Go ahead and tag it because this way you won't miss any episodes. We tend to have bonus episodes at times. So, yeah, this way you get a little alert. For Alex, I'm Lou. Merry Christmas. Peace!